Welcome to the Appalachian Baptist Network. We seek to equip, encourage, and engage pastors and church leaders in the Appalachian region. We focus on having conversations on church revitalization in the mountains and beyond. Your hosts are Matthew Jacobs, Brent Snyder, Jacob Gwynn, and Travis Tyler. Welcome back to the Appalachian Baptist Network podcast. I'm your host, Brent Snyder. I'm joined once again tonight by my co-host, Matthew Jacobs. And Matthew, we have our very first special guest to the podcast. Would you like to introduce him? I would. So our guest today is not unfamiliar to North Carolina Baptists. He is a uh, most honorable high reverend, Bob Garbett. He is my uh, current pastor in First Baptist Church Cross Norn. And so um, being with his years of experience coming to the state convention, um, we wanted to bring him into the podcast tonight to help shed light on what has happened here in 2019 at the North Carolina Baptist State Convention. Bob, we thank you for uh, for being with us tonight. I want to go ahead and say from the jump, if you are unfamiliar with Southern Baptist life really in general, but certainly if you are unfamiliar with what the Southern Baptist Convention of North Carolina's annual meeting is. Um, we did a, Matthew and I recorded a preview show before this year's annual meeting. And so um, if you're unfamiliar with this stuff, I would encourage you to go back and listen to that first so that you have some context for all the things that we'll be talking about uh, tonight. But uh, we are going to go over just uh, really a preview of what has happened this week, some of the things that were covered at the uh, at the annual meeting, um, and we will we will comment on some of these things. Some of these things we'll just uh, we'll just go over uh, briefly, just sort of as as a statement of fact uh, of of what happened. Um, and then uh, as we as we get to the end, we'll we'll provide some more uh, commentary and feedback, some big takeaways, even some resources that will be helpful for our churches in the high country. Um, and talk about pros and cons and all, all that sort of thing. So um, before, before we do that, though, I think it would be good if, um, if each of us just sort of uh, estimate or say, if you know for sure how many years you have been coming to the annual meeting. I know for myself, this is my fifth year at the uh, annual meeting for North Carolina Baptist. Matthew? Well, this will be my third year as a – actually, this is my fourth year as a messenger um, for the for the convention, I came the year before as a visitor for a day. So this is four years of me being part of North Carolina Baptist. Bob? Uh, this makes number roughly 25 for me. So it's been over a period of that many years. I missed one in that many years. I missed last year. But. So, see, I'm, I'm glad that you sat there and said that I, I have made every um, – North Carolina Baptist State Convention, except one, because um, that would mean you haven't made all of them. That's um, correct. No, so, no it started we, like we, at 18. I, I was told that today by, <laughs> by a guy of great um, influence. I've, I haven't missed a state convention in dead years, but one. Then you missed one. <laughs> that's right. Uh, so, yes, that's good. 25 years. All right. So, um, the annual meeting is, uh, as usual, it began on Monday evening and finished up. We're recording this on Tuesday night. It'll be published on Wednesday, but uh, it finished up tonight on, on Tuesday night. Um, when we were called to order on uh, Monday night, the 
number of registered messengers at that time was 1,059 messengers. I didn't hear, I don't know if either one of you guys heard, did you hear an updated number today? I know, I know they typically give a report. As a matter of fact, it was on the agenda for tonight, but I don't know that it actually happened. I did not hear any updates. I'm sure there were more, though. Yeah, yeah, I think, you know, typically we have some more register on Tuesday because that's when the majority of the business happens. But, uh, you know, really a decent turnout, maybe not so decent tonight for the evening session. Maybe if we have time, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But uh, for the most part, a pretty decent turnout. The room was, you know, it was pretty full most, yeah. of, most of the time. And it seemed like... Matthew, you and I talked about on Sunday night the necessity if you're a messenger to be in the room because that's where the decisions are made, and it it felt like for the most part, you know, that was that was the case. Um, most of the time, there was a lot of people in the room. So um, just to run through some of the things that uh, that took place for the most part, guys, I'm going to go through these in in the actual order that uh, that they came up in the order of business. Um, uh, we, we kicked it off uh, with, a, with a report from the Office of Great Commission Studies that featured a testimony from a lady named Catherine, who was, or who is, I should say, uh, reaching Muslims in Rocky Mount. Um, and maybe more so um, this year than I've ever seen, than I have seen in the past. Like I say uh, this is only my fifth year, um, but there was, there was more diversity, I felt like, uh, represented, I guess you could say, on stage than maybe what we've had in years past. I think it's been getting better for a while, but uh, you know, you can you sort of continue to see the emphasis building up on the fact that the nations are truly coming to us, yeah, and in our efforts to to reach those nations. Either one of you guys want to comment on that? I think it's just a, a healthy representation of what's going on across the state. I know when I moved to North Carolina five years ago the RDU area was the fastest growing area in the country. Um, I think at one point someone said there was like a hundred people that moved there a week or something like that. And like of those hundred, I don't want to say half, but there was an insane amount of people that were moving to that region that were international. They're moving from another part of the country to come to the research triangle. And uh, so I think as we see in our metropolitan regions, the nations coming to us, I think it's only natural that the state convention starts to see those internationals that are being changed by the gospel here to start seeing them present within our within our state. And so I, I think it's just a natural um, progression of what we see God doing in the communities around us. And it's not even just uh, isolated to the metropolitan areas before mm -hmm. moving to western North Carolina. We were down east and uh, there were a lot of people that worked at the hog farms that were scientists from mm. Eastern European countries. And, mm. and I remember one year we were doing a live nativity scene at Christmas and people stopped by. And that night in Beulahville, North Carolina, there were at least six foreign countries wow. that were represented there. You know, several of them were English speaking, but there was you know people from Poland. There were people from Australia. There were people from England. And, you know, to think somebody from that far away would be in some no place, eastern North Carolina, but they are literally coming all over from all over the world to all over North Carolina. Hmm. So it's a tremendous opportunity to to reach the, the lost and addition to the lost that we have that are native here. Yeah. So, yeah, that, uh, that report from the Office of Great Commission Studies was just a reminder that uh, the Great Commission is to be applied globally in a local context, I guess you could say. 
Um, we, we moved from that to um, a church planting celebration slash commissioning service, I guess is the best way um, to put that, celebrating church planting that's going on across, um, across the state. Um, you know, there, <laughs> there, was, there was maybe some, some controversy involved with the commissioning service. We won't uh, spend any, any, any time on that uh, tonight. But, you know, the, the big takeaway for me, and Matthew, you mentioned this earlier, was once again the diversity yeah. involved um, in the church planters that were commissioned. Um, again, I think the number of church planters that we were commissioning is um, is still up in the air a little bit, but uh, but st- still over a hundred church planters that we commissioned, and many of them um, very diverse ethnically. Yeah, I mean there, there was a lot. Um, it was pretty cool to, to sit there and see all the different um, just ethnic groups. Um, an ethnic ministry is going off like from whether it was Korean or um, Spanish or um, just different different forms of the Asian language because I don't I don't know them all but yeah. I'm ignorant I guess in that way but just the diversity of um, the church plants we had not just being all white church plants but but and it was really cool there was a couple church stories we had of a basically an all white congregation that started to realize the neighbors that are around them. There were so many of them that were not of the same ethnic group. And they were like, man, how are we going to reach these people? And so somehow they came in partnership with the pastor and planted a church out of them to reach the people in their neighborhood that they were not equipped to reach already. So it's kind of cool to see um, within North Carolina to see that, that shift and that emphasis of trying to reach the nations within us that are around us because of whatever reason they've moved here. Um, so that, that was encouraging to me to see um, what we see in Revelation that one day every nation, tribe, and tongue are going to proclaim Christ and get to see the f- fulfillment of that happening among us is pretty exciting. And so many of the church plants were being planted by church plants. Yeah. You, you know, it you know, didn't <laughs> take one. them 50 years to realize yeah. that hey, no. we need to start around and do this. No, wasn't the one that was like, it's like two months, <laughs> two months months old yeah. and starting to help fund another no, church yeah. plant? And I'm like, can you even call yourself? Like, yeah, there, you where know, there, where's the money coming from? Do you do that? But uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. Yeah, there were several of the guys that were represented up there on stage that you know were replanting within two years, mm-hmm. which is which is good to see. Um, that was followed by the um, by the president's address, which of course was given by uh, Steve Scoggins. He's the the president of the. Uh, Southern Baptist Convention of North Carolina. I had to step out to deal with a little bit of a uh, little bit of business that came up. But uh, either one of y'all want to comment on the president president's address? I mean, I, I think for me it was encouraging. I, you you might have got a little something different from it, uh, Pastor Bob. But to me, I, I think kind of the central thrust of it was the same thing we'd seen in the pastors' conference in regards to us focusing on the main thing. Like, let's focus on the gospel. Let's focus on kingdom advancement. Let's focus on um, getting the gospel to people instead of fighting over these, as the word that he would use, tertiary, like these third-tier issues. Let, let's let's put all these little bickering aside and let's focus on getting the gospel to people that are going to die and spend eternity in hell. Um, for me, that, that's kind of what I felt the central thrust was. Would you kind of agree I, with that, Pastor Bob? That. Yeah. It, I mean, he used that phrase that... Keep, when he came back to first Andersonville, it was they said, "Oh, when we know what 
we know what we're going to be about. We're going to be about making the main thing the main thing. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, I don't think there's any – nobody can really argue with that as being a, a priority. Yeah. Yeah, I hate I had to miss that, but uh, duty calls. <laughs> <laughs> so um, then uh, that, that sort of capped off um, Monday night. I guess you'd say with the uh, with the president's address, and then we came back this morning, uh, early this morning, to uh, begin business and started hearing reports. Um, that began, uh, I believe, with the North Carolina Baptist Foundation. And I just want to make a quick comment here. We're talking about things that might be helpful for churches in our region. And one of the things that the North Carolina Baptist Foundation has going now is uh, the North Carolina Baptist Financial Services, which offers loans to uh, to churches, I don't. Is that is that something you all have ever had any experience with? I'm too young for that. I understand. As, as a junior pastor, <laughs> we don't ask for loans for youth ministry. Um, but no, but I've, I've um, just the different reports you hear is is basically churches that are needing help, and the Baptist Foundation is, is there ready to come alongside of them and figure out smart ways for them to take out loans and then to invest in them to where it's not going to hurt the church long term. Yeah. Um, so I think it's a great way for church um, church plants or existing churches that there's just some work that needs to be done, you know, in, yeah. in our facilities. I mean, I, I sit there and think of First Baptist Jacksonville and had all those facilities that they didn't do great maintenance on for many years. And it came to the point where they couldn't afford as a church to fix all the stuff that had, that had run down. And so as part of recasting vision for the church, they had to sell off part of the property and re revision what they were going to be as a church. And um, I think that's where the Baptist Foundation comes in, is churches that, I mean, they, they just need help. They just need help, whether it's fixing up facility, building a new facility to do ministry in, or or whatever it is, they come in to, to help make that in a smart process instead of hurting a church financially for years to come. And then the money goes back to a good, you know, to a good cause yeah. instead of yeah. building a bigger bank building in Charlotte mm -hmm. or Greensboro, Winston-Salem at, it goes back to be used for kingdom work, and the money that go, that's in there to start with comes from estates and you know, people that yeah. put funds aside for everything. From you know, they do everything from college loans to you know all kinds of stuff that they. Yeah, definitely. If you feel like your church is in a position where, um, you know, in any circumstance where they feel like they're going to need to take a loan out, I would strongly encourage you to. Um, to go to go to the uh, to 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 go to the um, North Carolina Baptist Financial Services rather than rather than the local bank. Um, there was also a report from um, the North Carolina Baptist Hospital. I don't know that there was really um, anything anything um, new or you know, big to share uh, from that. Of course, the North Carolina Baptist Children's Home um, they they give. Their report, and one of the one of the things that I'm always reminded of when I hear the North Carolina Baptist Children's Home report, and most of our people are familiar with North Carolina Baptist Children's Home because you're familiar with Lewis Smith, uh, <laughs> who's who always uh, always tries uh, to make it to our uh, to our annual meeting for the Avery Baptist Association. But uh, one of the things I'm always reminded of is uh, to think about foster care and also uh, fostering to adopt. If that's something that you're thinking about, something that you're considering, 
I would definitely encourage you to consider the North Carolina Baptist Church as home. But locally, of course, we also have Cross North, uh, which is also another another good option. But uh, I believe it was David Platt that said one of the best ways to fulfill the Great Commission is by adoption. And so it may be something to at least consider. And if you want some more personal information about that, give me a shout. We're, we're in that process right now. Through the through Cross North. Oh, through Cross North. Yeah. Okay. We're well, told the people from Children's Home we're about four months ahead of them. I didn't know they were doing it. Oh, really? When we started in the process, and so we're getting our training and everything through Cross North. Okay. Well, good. Congratulations. Yeah. Okay, so then we uh, we moved from the Baptist Children's Home to the um, Biblical Recorder. Just a just a few. Noteworthy things from the biblical recorder, especially if you're not familiar with it. That is our state conventions newspaper. Um, I believe you guys can correct me if I'm wrong. It is the longest running state newspaper in the SBC. Um, but Seth Brown, I guess this is his first year. This would be his first year um, formally being the head of that within um, for the state convention last year. Alan Bloom was. I think he announced it last year. Maybe he just announced it right before the state convention. Yeah. Um, but Seth's been working there for five years, I think, four or five years with uh, the biblical recorder. Yeah. Um, one of the one of the quotes from Seth that I really appreciated today was uh, he said that the biblical recorder believes that informed Baptists are better Baptists. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. And so um, if one of the reasons you're listening to this podcast and – Avery County or any, any of the surrounding areas is because you're wanting to learn more about um, Southern Baptist life, then uh, I would encourage you to make sure you get your hands on a biblical recorder, but not just learn about Southern Baptist life. Um, hear, hear, hear news that is reliable and yeah. trustworthy. Yeah. Um, Better than Fox. <laughs> um, and, and also with this, I'll just sorry to interrupt you for a second with the biblical recorder, throwing in some plugs, is you don't even even have to still get the print edition. I mean, you can download it on your phone in the app and record it. Or um, something I really love um, is you can also go to the biblical recorder's website, which is about to be updated and re-released out again. But you can go and get weekly emails sent to you of the top articles of the week, which I always love getting that from like. You can, you can get some quick digestion of some interesting things that God is doing across the convention and across um, the country and across the, the globe and, and just what he's doing and his great work as we um, continue and seeing things. So I, I, I greatly appreciate Seth and what he's doing. Um, I appreciate what Alan did and bringing back the biblical recorder from um, what it used to be. And then <laughs> I look forward to seeing what it what it is going to be um, as we enter into this new age of information and getting information out to people. I think it's exciting to see um, the direction that Seth Brown's going to take the biblical recorder. Yeah, I think so. And again, I mean, it, I say this jokingly, but, but at the same time, it's true. In an age where fake news is everywhere, um, the biblical recorder is a trustworthy news source. Um, and so... Highly recommended if you if you don't uh, have access to it now or don't receive that now, um, certainly certainly encourage you to do so. Yeah, and they even have deals for churches to get bundled to where yeah. you can be back at your sanctuary. So you can also look that up online as well. Yep. 
Um, then we moved into the board of directors first report. Um, we, we voted on two bylaw changes. I guess maybe the most noteworthy was a bylaw change. I guess, I guess the easiest way to describe this is, uh, this this bylaw change provided a pathway to remove someone that was serving on the board of directors who was uh, guilty of a moral failure. Yeah. I guess you could say. Um, obviously, this comes in light of a lot of these um, sexual abuse issues that have been coming to the surface in the Southern Baptist Convention, and it's a it's an ugly reality, but it is reality, and it's um, it's good to continue to see our state convention, I think, take positive steps in order to address these issues um, and, and, and have a, have a pathway yeah, to being, address being proactive. Yeah. Being proactive. Sir. Yeah. Either of y'all want to comment further on either of the bylaw changes. Okay. Um, there was also a, a, a period um, for the, the evaluation of the five-year strategy. The five-year strategy came to an end uh, this year, well, this is the fifth year of, or the end of the fifth year of the five-year strategy. Um, and so the Board of Directors first report sort of covered an evaluation of that. If you don't know what the five-year strategy is, it's um, it's it's impacting lostness through disciple-making. Is that, is that word for word? Actually, I think it's a lot longer than that, but that, that's that's the that's like the tweet out. Okay, yeah, that's that's what the, you can tweet. <laughs> that's that's the that's the, the one we're gonna put on banners, and that's the one we're gonna tweet out. That's that, yeah, I think as Brian what, said, it was like the the actual statement's like two sentences long. Yeah. But they look like the Apostle Paul wrote them. Oh yeah, that's <laughs> right. He did yeah, say so that. It's, they're, it's, they're very that, long. That's the fast way of saying it is impacting losses through disciple making. Yeah. Which which, for the record, is a, is a good strategy to have um, one that hopefully we will have till Jesus comes back um, at least another five years but that was that was basically what the evaluation brought us to is that we're going to reevaluate the five-year strategy that started five years ago in five years and so um, more or less the strategy just continues for the next it's five years the tried and true strategy if it's not broke don't fix it that's fair you know? that's fair um, there was a panel discussion on the effectiveness of the strategy. Yeah. Um, but I, I thought the panel was really cool. Um, yeah. it was really good, you know, cause you, you had people in big cities as well as it's a paper mill. It's a pleasant smell to me cause that's what my dad did for a living, not in Canton, but somewhere else. And, um, that one of the pastors there, Jonathan Blaylock sat there and talked about the ways they were impacting losses and through disciple making. And I, I really love um, what he said in that panel discussion was, as they see it as relational, transformational, and then missional. We're more likely to get them in a house or a game night than on a Sunday morning worship service. And so their strategy they've adopted as a church, which is um, when you get a chance to talk to him one-on-one, it's kind of cool to see the different ways they've tried to be relational in their community, whether it's having, uh, I think last year or two years ago, I went to a breakout session by him, and he talked about how they've started having every so often, you know, grill out hamburgers and hot dogs for, first responders used to come by and pick up hamburgers and hot dogs at lunchtime or going into schools and doing things or whatever it is, just trying to be relational and let's meet the physical needs of the people. And as we build that relational aspect, then we can see the doors open for the transformation and moving into mission. So it's just kind of cool to see um, just that way. And then there was one, one guy, I cannot remember his name, um, mostly because it was in Spanish. <laughs> and I don't know Spanish, but it was cool to see yeah. uh, a Spanish pastor up there being 
um, with uh, Mr. Davenport translating um, for him yeah. um, how, how he was doing it. Yeah, yeah. Which is what, I mean, Davenport works for the state convention. He used to be a former IMB missionary. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's, it's kind of cool getting to see how he, how he, how he's been used um, with kingdom diversity here and here in the, predominantly in the triangle area. Yeah. Yeah. Just, uh, just to follow up on that, anything in, in our, in our rural context, pretty much anything that comes out of Cary, we have to work to contextualize it. Yeah. And uh, Jonathan Blaylock is a good example of contextualizing the five-year strategy for a rural context. Yeah, he is. And so, I think the bear, the beard that he has helps him in that. It could. It's, it's like Samson's hair for contextualization, <laughs> but it's, it's the beard model. Okay. I tell my wife every time I walk by, I want my beard to be like that. Just like, do you want to be single? That's uh, <laughs> that's the goal. Yeah, I don't know about the whole Samson's hair thing. It's uh, a... <laughs> We'll have to take that one up with the. Uh, have to take that one up with the interim pastor, intentional interim pastor at your church. Yeah, <laughs> we skip right past that. <laughs> okay, so uh, skipping right past that, we move to the executive treasurer's reports. Of course, that was Milton Hollifield, and uh, his the the focus text of his report was Matthew chapter nine verses thirty five uh, through thirty eight. Just a couple highlights to take away, I think key emphasis to take away from that report. Um, he gave the stat that there's 5.8 million lost people in North Carolina. Um, that should remind us of the urgency of sharing the gospel, yeah. of impacting that lostness through disciple making. Also, uh, one, of the, one of the things I want to mention, because um, I think the per- one of the people who deserves a lot of credit for this is someone that our churches in Avery will be very familiar with, um, and, and Three Forks as well, of course, Uh, for anyone that might be listening up there. But um, he mentioned that college ministry has expanded from nine campuses to over 45 campuses in the state. Um, And, you know, know, Mike Mike Puckett, which many of our churches will be familiar with, he was was with BCM of the High Country. He's transitioned away from that uh, now and is currently in Southern California doing ministry and advancing the kingdom out there. But, uh, but honestly, what Puck did at app, um, really, really helped, um, I guess, create a roadmap Mm -hmm. to, uh, to, to duplicate in other areas of the state. And we're seeing that happen. It wasn't just Puck. I mean, there's, you know, Jonathan Yarborough is still at the state convention. Actually, I seen him tonight. You know, he, he did a great job of just, uh, really as it relates to Puck, giving, giving Puck, the resources that he needed and the encouragement that he needed to, to run with this thing. And now we've really seen it take off. Uh, no place left, kind of transition into no campus left. And it's just a really good movement in expanding the gospel presence across our college campuses in North Carolina. Um, and then another another um, statistic was that, uh, that Milton Hallfield shared was that we've sent $217 million dollars out of the state of North Carolina for missions in the last seven years, which uh, it's just encouraging to know that our, our churches are giving and giving substantially yeah. uh, for that. So any any comments on uh, Milton Hallfield's report, and then we'll be able to move through some of this other stuff pretty quickly. I just think his the statistics just you know drive home. You know, a lot of times in church we get caught up on numbers and you know, how many people and, and counting, but every for every one that we count, there's probably what 50, 75 who are not inside the church. Yeah. yeah. And and how do we get out to them mm-hmm. instead of 
you know, how do we get them in? How are we going to get out to them? Yeah, I, I think he said there was 79% of um, on church on Sunday morning in North Carolina, 79% of our population are not in a church. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. Um, which to me, I was like, oh, you know, because yeah. yeah. we, 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 and something else, and we reiterated this with our congregational clusters mm-hmm. in every county, but um, if every person in every county showed up at a Southern Motors church on a Sunday morning, we don't have room in our churches to seat everyone. Mm-hmm. We don't have room to, to seat 50% of our um, county um, in, in, in our churches. And so just realizing that the need is out there. Um, and we've got a lot of work to do. So after um, after the executive treasurer, director treasurer report, um, we the, went to lunch. the WMU shared some of the things that they were doing. That was after lunch, wasn't it? Yes, the WMU it was. was when we come back from lunch. They shared some of the things they had going on. And then, of course, uh, the first fixed order of business was the election of officers. And uh, guys, not a whole lot of excitement with the <laughs> election of officers. Uh, Michael Smith, uh, he, uh, he, he nominated uh, Steve Scoggins for a second term as president. Uh, one of the things that he highlighted in his, uh, in his nomination speech was uh, Scoggins' focus on uh, ACP reporting and that, you know, while our numbers are going down, maybe we're not doing as bad as we think we are because we're not reporting as good as we should be. And, um, you know, I think it's, it's a good emphasis, you know, for uh, all the churches in Avery County. I strongly encourage you to, uh, to report, fill out that ACP report. So Steve, uh, Steve Scoggins was elected. He unopposed, of course. Also, Michael Pardue was reelected as the first vice president, also unopposed. And uh, Jason Miller was reelected second vice president. Unopposed. So no excitement there. Also, uh, no excitement with resolutions. There were no <laughs> resolutions this oh, year. Man. Bob, you were the most experienced at annual meetings. How many annual meetings have you been to where there have been no resolutions? You know, usually there's like at least one to give thanks mm-hmm. to the host city. And I don't know particularly why that wasn't done this year, but, <laughs> but I mean, I, Maybe they're tired of thinking Greensboro. There could be Greensboro <laughs> may be tired of having us here. <laughs> but we're coming back next year. <laughs> we're coming so. back next year. Uh, but yeah, those uh, those times can be in in times past. You know, I've seen you know at times where we had like six thousand messengers, seven thousand messengers, and they would be in to vote for the officers, and then you'd be back to two thousand. 2,500 people, yeah. you know, it would just be this huge influx to vote for the officers and to vote on the budget and then people would leave. And I always thought that was just so rude, but, um, but it was very, very, very unusual not to have <laughs> any, any resolutions yeah. to, to vote on. Uh, not that that's a bad thing. Cause I think everybody seemed on the podium seemed to be pretty relieved that that they were, I was they, disappointed. They can be, <laughs> Resolutions can be contentious, and maybe this theme of no resolutions will carry right over to Orlando for the SBC. Not a chance. Hang that one up. There's going to be resolutions. A man man can dream. There's going to be somebody's anniversary. There's going to be a resolution for us thanking them for whatever. So, so you know, we'll get to it in a little bit, but was it NC, not NC BAM? Who was it that's 10 year? It was was NC BAM. It was NC BAM for 10 years. And uh, so. 
what I thought it was, and it was. Uh, but for ten, NC BAM, North Carolina um, Ministry of Aging something North ministry. Baptist Aging Ministry. Yeah, yeah it's getting late. My mind is dissolving quickly. <laughs> um, but basically, for, for the aging ministry, it was 10 years. So if we'd been at the SBC, they would have done a resolution congratulating them on 10 years of service yeah. for their anniversary. So just throwing that out one. Or then when they hit their well, 15th next five year, years. you can do a resolution for their 11th. No, that just doesn't work. <laughs> um, I'm, we, we jumped from that to a report from the Baptist on Mission. There was, there was, um, they shared some things from the uh, North Carolina Baptist on Mission on Monday night, but I thought we would just group this together here. Just a few highlights that I took away. Um, they mentioned on Monday night, I believe it was, that they have. I don't remember if it was, I guess it was for last year, they had given out 16,000 uh, Christmas backpacks. And um, that was uh, primarily, those backpacks were primarily given out in uh, coal country in Appalachia. So, of course, the, the region that we focus on uh, here on this podcast, which was interesting. Um, Baptist on Mission, again, me and Matthew talked about this on Monday night. This is formerly North Carolina Baptist men. Now it's uh, North Carolina Baptist on mission, but I'm glad they've distinguished the name properly. There was a man giving the report this year. Well, even if there'd have been a woman, it'd have been fine. What I'm saying is North Carolina Baptist <laughs> men, and you have nothing but women giving the report. It's confusing it for someone confusing. that yes. is not used to North Carolina Baptist life. So just throw that <laughs> one out there again. <laughs> um, but you know, when you hear North Carolina Baptist on mission, it's not just North Carolina Baptist on mission, North Carolina, it's not just North Carolina Baptist on mission in Appalachia. Uh, it is also North Carolina Baptist on mission globally, mm. uh, which we do disaster relief, um, essentially globally. But uh, we also have, I guess, you, what you would call a permanent presence in several countries. I think some of the countries of note, um, Hungary, Honduras, Ukraine, Romania, uh, Budapest. I know there were several more that they mentioned. Um, I don't think Budapest is a country. Budapest is not a country. It's a city. <laughs> Claire. Just throwing that one out there. <laughs> Sorry. Um, my wife's been on a mission trip, so <laughs> just on that one. <laughs> Sorry, um, but yeah, and so that's that's what I think for the Roma people, Roma people, Romas, Romas, yeah. yeah, often called tipsies. Yes, same same people. Yeah. Um, also, something something locally, and this is something that uh, that I know Crossnor is taking advantage of, but our uh, North Carolina Baptist on Mission also have mobile dental buses and yeah. mobile health screening. Uh, buses that will you know you can call and book them you got to book them pretty far in advance because you these do. things stay busy but uh you can book them to come and it's a great outreach you can you can uh, off, they offer these things for free for people in your community mm-hmm. um, again it's a dental bus and then medical screening as well and so something i would strongly encourage our churches or maybe even our clusters yeah. to consider as a whole to uh, have these buses come and park in your church parking lot and then invite people in your within the geographical uh, area of your uh, cluster or in the community where your church is located. Um, invite them to come. Great outreach. Yeah, and, and really, it, it's a great opportunity. You just, as a church, have got to get the information out there mm-hmm. that this is coming. We have a free dental bus coming today. We have people that are dentists in the area that are going to come and give their time freely to, to help. To help. Um, and so it's a great opportunity but the key is you can bring the bus, but if you don't get information out properly to those that need the help, 
We're just spinning our wheels. Yep. So it is, it is a great opportunity to have conversations with people that probably wouldn't walk through the doors of your church on a Sunday morning. Um, and then, of course, there's uh, still da- disaster relief. I get. I think the best way to report on this is if there's a disaster that you, a natural disaster, has taken place, especially in our uh, region on the globe. Um, this includes the Caribbean as well as the states. Yeah, a disaster has taken place in the last three years. More than likely, the North Carolina Baptists are still on site helping people recover yeah. uh, from this disaster. I mean, they're still helping. Uh, churches and, and families recovered from Florence. I mean, it was pretty cool watching the video. They had a they had a group from Hawaii yeah. that came to the coast of North Carolina to to help uh, a man um, with his house. But then also North Carolina Baptist also helping rebuild a church in um, Grand Bahama Island um, from this past year. I think it was Dorian uh, yeah. something yeah. something along those lines. Since I, I know this is going to sound bad, since I've moved away from the coast, I don't do as good a job keeping up with the names of the hurricanes. So I'm sorry. <laughs> Um, so yeah, uh, we, then we jumped into the board of directors second report. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to go through just some of the figures here, but first I do want to do want to provide a, a clarification that the budget was, uh, or actually allow you all to comment on or provide the clarification, but, um, the budget proposal was presented by Rick Spears from Old Town Baptist Church, which could possibly be Matthew on the Old Town Road. Mm. <laughs> don't know for sure um but anyway the <laughs> the uh i want us to talk about cp support because the cp support that's going to the sbc is 11 point was last year was 11.62 million um either one of y'all that want to tackle that just explain what we mean when we talk about our budget and a portion of that going directly to the SBC. So basically, you got go ahead. Yeah, I'm, I don't You've got more experience <laughs> with this. Um, basically, forty-two percent of in, in the approved budget for twenty twenty, forty-two percent of every dollar that comes into the state Baptist State Convention goes to the SBC, and then from there. Um, it's divvied up between the seminaries, between all the different entities uh, with with the SBC. Uh, so, you know, when you think about forty two percent, that's that's a pretty good chunk of yeah. of every dollar. And then on top of that, the Lottie Moon, the Annie Armstrong offerings uh, that go specifically to those particular mission boards. But forty two percent has not gotten to the desired Southern Baptist percentage of fifty fifty. Yeah, and that's that's what Milton Hollifield's goal is, and and it's been incrementally going up. I forgot the number of eleven years. years. Eleven years, yeah. um, but I know the time that I spent on the board every year, it was at least a half a percent every yeah. year. And the beautiful part of that is just like anything you give to God, um, and even I mean the money that comes into the state convention is used for God's work here in the state. Yeah. But as that has gone up it's not diminished 
what we've been able to do in the state. Yeah. You know, we're, you know, you find new and better ways mm-hmm. to, to maximize resources and, you know, the same thing at the church. And, and as churches are able to increase and give to the state, that money goes to the federal or not federal, but the <laughs> national, international. Yeah. It's getting late for me too. It's almost okay. time to get up. <laughs> for you it is. You, you, you've got about four hours to start to get up at this point. Um, but yeah, so this is not the Southern Baptist Convention. That's one guy I kept referring to it as. Right. This is it's, the Baptist State Convention. Yes. And we, we are participating, affiliated, and contributing to the Southern Baptist Convention. Yeah, I think one guy forgot what convention he was at. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so, yeah, just a few financial numbers from last year. I mentioned 11.62 million to the SBC. Uh, something that should make us proud as North Carolina Baptist is that is two million more dollars than any other state convention sends to uh, the SBC. So, Yo. Um, congratulations, <laughs> North Carolina Baptist, for sending uh, for sending more money than than any other state convention being uh, being giving, even though our percentage is not yet fifty fifty. Uh, Lottie Moon was also the highest of any state. Um, Yo yo. <laughs> yes. Um, then, uh, then the proposed budget for this year was thirty million five hundred thousand um, dollars. This year's this year's designated gifts will shop, will fall short of last year's budget, which was thirty one point five million dollars mm-hmm. by about a million dollars we project. And so, this proposed budget was proposed with by faith, but also reasonable at the same time. Matthew, comment. But correct me if I'm wrong in this. Part of the reason um, for that is is we spend a million dollars less than what we budgeted for last year. Am I correct in mm-hmm. saying that? And so I think it's just being wise yeah. stewards in that regard. Yeah, I think you said we'll. I mean, even though we won't meet the budget, we'll still wind up in the black yes. this year. Yeah, he did. He he did make that comment. And then we've already mentioned it, but uh, we're going to see an increase from 41.5% to 42% that goes directly to the SBC. And like I said, that is 11 straight years of increase in the percentage that goes to the SBC. And then also of note, the North Carolina Missions Offering goal for this year is uh, $2.1 million. Uh, moving right along, we had a report from the Historical Committee um, that's when the plaque was presented to the North Carolina Baptist Aging Ministries for uh, their 10-year anniversary. Uh, but also, just to, just to note, something that we didn't have this year, and we typically do, is the historical committee will usually present a church or maybe even an association with a $500 reward for a historical work that they have written over the past year. And that didn't happen this year. Well, actually... And I- I think I'll probably get in trouble if he listens to this podcast, but I think this, I think the historical committee normally has two awards to give out. They have one in like print, and then they have one for multimedia. Yeah, they do. And so this year, nobody cared about North Carolina Baptist history because nobody submitted anything in either category. Which begs the question: Does it go to a thousand for next year? <laughs> to double the pot. No, yeah. but uh, don't bet on that. <laughs> the. Uh, it, listen, if, if your church is, is working on a history of your church or anything like that, um, then then that's something that you should consider submitting to the historical committee for uh, their... Jay agenda. Allen Murray and his his committee would love to get that. I, I, you know, I, I think a lot of times it's important for us to go back and understand our history as a church. And I've suggested to people at our church, 
not that I'm the best writer, but uh, there has been many work as far as in some conversation. But even if you say there's a church and said, hey, we're 110 years old, we want to have a, a kind of a historical document made about the history of our church that people can read. It's, it's user friendly. And you just take a decade and write a chapter about it. Um, I, I think that's some key issues. If you go back and read some minutes, you know, I, I loved um, when I was in college, we actually had to read some old church minutes from post-World War II in uh, my, my New South class. And one of them, I'll never forget it. You know, some of it's like some petty little things. Like, oh, okay, whatever. Normal business minutes. But then it gets into like church discipline happening back in the 1860s <laughs> about someone that stole somebody's pig. <laughs> And they lied about it. And they went back and forth. And it's like three-month process. So do you get churched over the pig or over the lie? He, he got churched for both. <laughs> he, he basically, that they formed a committee as when he was Baptist. And the first time there was an accusation that he stole the pig. And then he denied that he stole the pig. They form a committee at that time. They come out the next month. And they've discovered that he really has stolen the pig. And that he needs to repent because he tarnished um, somebody's, some, something. He tarnished somebody with reputation in the process. And they said, we'll give you a month to repent before the whole congregation. If not, we're going to kick you out of fellowship. And so then the next month he was gone. And uh, so it was just kind of like, wow, we don't see that anymore. (laughs) But I think if we're looking at um, revitalization and making our churches healthier, it's interesting to sit back and go over, we could never do that. That just seems unfriendly to do church discipline. But I would be shocked if there's a church over a hundred years old that it does not have some records of discipline happening mm-hmm. in the church. And so, I, I, and especially in Appalachia, because at least the term is familiar to us. Oh, they've been churched. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's a term that we're used, but we're scared to death to ever apply that um, into practice. So if, if you're in North Carolina and you're interested in doing church history, write up a book. T- t- take a decade for each decade of your church, write a book and submit that to the historical society. And you might get the chance to win $500. So just throwing that one out there. Just to clarify, if you have ever churched someone in your church for livestock, you could win $500 from the historical committee. Just write it up. Just write it up. Tell the story. Yeah. So uh, that uh, that pretty much concluded uh, session three in the afternoon, uh, which brings us right up to tonight, uh, session four. Um, it was it was kicked off by um, by several greetings. Of course, we had really not really a special guest uh, with us uh, tonight, uh, Ronnie Floyd, who is. Uh, I feel like he has so many titles. Like every time I see his name, like I thought it was executive director, but tonight I saw it printed as CEO of the executive committee for the SBC. So um, I don't know. Is there what, what's the we're just calling that that he's the president of the executive committee. We'll just go, let's, let's, go. Let's, let's go with that. He's the head honcho of the Southern Baptist Convention when it's not in session. Call call him what you will, but he is important to Southern Baptist. He is. And he grew up in Texas. Not relevant. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm just always, like every time he mentions that, I forget because he just looks like, like an Arkansas Razorback yes. fan. And so just kind of. Uh, Ronnie Floyd has been in SBC life for quite some time. Yeah, he was um, the president like served, four years ago. Yeah, served as president. 
Uh, and so um, he did, you know, he did, he did all the things someone in his position would do. He said all the thank yous and did all the acknowledging. He acknowledged the six representatives that we have on the SBC executive committee from North Carolina. One thing that I consider quite controversial, Matthew, is uh, he give Amy Whitfield a shout out. Hey. And what's more, Matthew, he give SBC Weekly Podcast a shout out. And our podcast had no shout out. I think that's completely appropriate considering <laughs> the role that the two people that host that podcast now have in publications within the executive community, being that Jonathan Howe is now working there as well as Amy Whitfield is now working for the EC. And so I, I would not expect them to throw yes. out a so three-week-old podcast. So you're you're just trying to get a job there. No, you're they, trying don't to want, they don't want me. You're trying to boost me. this podcast position. I don't, I, I don't have the educational background to have that kind of position. <laughs> in, in all seriousness, we talked about the biblical recorder being a great uh, resource for staying up to date on Southern Baptist life. SBC Weekly, the podcast um, that we're that we're talking about here, comes out every Friday. Um, it's something that I listen to every week. Uh, it's usually about 20 minutes long, considerably shorter than our annual meeting interview show is tonight. But uh, but it just updates. Uh, you can do it while you wash dishes. It, it updates you on all the news or the main the, the headlines yeah. that happen in SBC life that week. As well as at the end of the thing, they also share what happened this week in SBC history, which is interesting to me. Um, yep. If, they would have, if Amy Whitfield would have produced a book, she could have won $500. Yep. She missed an opportunity. What can we say? Um, then then the last thing of really no in Ronnie Floyd's um, greeting was we were talking about finances and numbers a second ago. Um, he shared that last year Southern Baptist gave no less than $601,800,000 through the CP Lottie Moon and Annie Armstrong. So almost six hundred and two million. Is that right? Am I getting that right? I think I'm getting that right. Fact <laughs> check. It could. Yeah, we might need fact check. It could be a billion. It could be a million. It, million, billion. Million. Yeah. Listen, folks. Southern Baptists give a lot of money to the expansion of God's kingdom. That's yeah. the point. Yeah. More money than we can even fathom. Well, I mean, as, as one church planner said yesterday. Um, where your feet cannot go, your money can. That's correct. Yep, that's true. That's correct. Um, then we also had a greeting from Fruitland. I am a proud alumni of Fruitland. President David Horton uh, give his greeting. A couple of things of note. We're talking about resources for uh, for churches in our area, and Fruitland is a great resource for Absolutely. churches in our area, for pastors in our area. Uh, Fruitland Baptist Bible College offers a two-year degree. Just a second, Matthew. <laughs> Fruitland Baptist Bible College offers a offers a two year um, degree. A couple of things to note: you'll hear this pretty much anytime you see Fruitland or hear about Fruitland anywhere. Twenty to twenty five percent of the, all the pastors in North and South Carolina attended Fruitland, so a big footprint in that regard. Um, also, something that David Horton shared tonight is fruit. It actually costs less to go to Fruitland than it does a community college. Um, incredibly reasonable. Um, the associates program is fully online now. So for our pastors, you don't have any, um, you don't have any uh, training in a Bible college or anything like that. You're bivocational. You're, you're you've got a family. 
Um, you can get your associates a really good education from Fruitland uh, fully online. Um, also, something that was interesting, I did not know they were doing this, but they're, they're doing certificates now, and they're offering a Bible teacher certificate. Uh, and they're doing that for lay people in the church. So Sunday school teachers, uh, whatever. Just And that's fully online, too, I believe he said. Did he, did he say you could do that on campus or online? I, I don't remember if he said online. I know he said morning and evening class, like okay. day and evening. I, don't, don't quote me on online stuff. But to me, that, that was the thing I was probably most, one of the three things I was most excited to see on um, Fruitland's report is that this is a certificate, so it's not a degree, but it gives lay people, people that are teaching our Sunday school classes, maybe you're in charge of children's ministry, maybe you're helping out with youth, whatever it is, if you're in a teaching capacity of trying to, to lead people to understand God's word more, Fruitland, which is for most of us in Appalachia, not that far. That, that's a day trip. That, that's an afternoon trip. You can get down there from our from our neck of the woods, like an hour and twenty minutes, hour and a half, yeah, um, depending on if you um, follow the law or not. Um, you can get there <laughs> fairly quickly. And for, for me, I was thinking, I was like, man, that is such a great resource for our churches, for our people that are that are teaching our body that aren't the pastors, but they're feeding the sheep every week through Sunday school. This is a great opportunity for them to be better equipped. And better trained to understand God's word, to where they can go and convey God's word to where we're more mature believers when it comes to understanding and digesting the word of God. Um, another another couple things that's really exciting. One that's already in place. Another one that's it sounds like it's it's coming next year. Uh, the thing that's already in place is they have an agreement with Southeastern where you can actually. Uh, complete a third of your Masters of Divinity through Southeastern on campus at Fruitland. Um, so continuing to build partnerships uh, there. But uh, In Southeastern, those of you that might not be familiar with what it is, that is the Southeastern Baptist Theological <laughs> Seminary located in Wake Forest, North Carolina. It is a seminary and an, a college of Southeastern. Yes. And so, so just to throw that in, throughout Southeastern, there's like a bunch of different Southeastern. It can be yes. the event. Whatever there was a booth here for another, so like Southern Evangelical, or what, anyways. But it, it is a seminary geared at equipping people for the ministry God has called them to, and so it's exciting to see. So just just throwing that out, we we might throw out like Southeastern, but it, it is one of our seminaries within the Southern Baptist Convention that we were blessed to have here in North Carolina. Um, <clears throat> he, you know, I mentioned this, but David Horton also alluded to the fact that they are uh, working to develop. Um, I guess I guess you would call it a program uh, to where um, they can work a little bit more closely with Southeastern and actually being able to finish your bachelor's yeah. degree through Southeastern, maybe either a little bit quicker or at the very least doing a good portion of that on campus in yeah. Fruitland as well. And doing that through the Equip Network and also in partnership with First Baptist Hendersonville, I think. Correct. Is, is what, they're, what they're working on there. So um, then we had greetings and a brief report from the Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary, as you so eloquently put it, Matthew. Um, just, a, just a few things briefly there. Of course, Southeastern's doing a great job with the, with the seminary. They're doing a great job with the college, providing uh, uh, education, a college education with, uh, with conservative biblical values at, at the core. But uh, 11th consecutive year of record enrollment. Southeastern, so continuing to grow as an institution. Um, 
you know, one of the, one another thing to know is I think they said they had 70 enrolled in their correctional facilities uh, program, which they offer a four-year degree to inmates in a correctional facility, and they've got seven in correctional facilities, excuse me, and they've got uh, 70 enrolled. That's done. That 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 that's a a function of the college at Southeastern. And that's I believe a fairly new. Um, yeah, just last couple. New, of years. Yeah, last year or two. Then there was a video from the North American Mission Board, just a greeting from Kevin Azale, greeting from the IMB, International Mission Board, with uh, its president, Paul Chitwood. Um, then, of course, we had the presentation of officers. It was really just the re-presentation of officers because none it of looked them familiar. They all did look <laughs> very familiar. And then we capped it off with a Hoosier One service tonight, uh, Ronnie Floyd, uh, of course, the special guest. As we already mentioned, he brought... Um, brought that message and it was really just about a fresh commitment to evangelize and and one of the key points that I thought he made was that um, our church doesn't exist for our own kingdom the Southern Baptist Convention doesn't exist for our own kingdom but rather uh, we exist for progressing uh, God's kingdom and so I thought he did a good job making uh, making that emphasis attendance was low tonight it's Unfortunately, there are a lot of people go home before uh, our major worship service. But uh, but nonetheless, um, a good service. I thought all in all, it was a, a good good state convention annual meeting. Uh, we've got just a couple minutes here before before we have to wrap up. Um, final takeaways from you guys. All in all, I think it was a really great state convention. Um, one thing that I always find amusing is. Uh, is it always that last session minus like four years ago, I think, um, when Platt preached? A lot of people leave. And I always just sit there and think, I was like, what would you do if your church left <laughs> before you preached? Uh, you know, they, they come for worship. We're going to give you our offering, but it's out. We're out of here. Um, so, you know, kind of, it's always interesting to me to see how pastors act in worship services. Um, and then, you know, how would they feel if their church members did the same thing? Uh, so it's always interesting to me. And to be quite honest, as a guy that is always interested in controversy and looking forward to the mic conversations, I was very disappointed there was not one person at any point doing miscellaneous business, anything. Not one mic was used. We might as well not even brought them out of the box this year. And so I always look forward to seeing what is going to happen at the mic. But all in all, I think it was a great convention. Um, smooth selling. Uh, nobody earned any more gray hair from being at this state convention, and nobody probably lost much sleep in wrestling with what's going to happen next at the state convention, which I, I believe is just a good testament to the leadership that we have within our state, that we can trust them and not question every single thing they do. And I, I, I agree with what Matthew said. I think all of that indicates that people are on board with keeping the main thing the main thing. You know, and, and it's those tertiary or whatever comes after that, you know, down the shelf of issues that people get so wrapped around the axle about and get so wound up about and start arguing and fussing and fighting over. But when it boils right down to it, the Great Commission, the kingdom work is is what's important in North Carolina Baptist life right now. It's what's important in Southern Baptist life right now. And. You know, we can agree to disagree on a lot of things as long as we do keep those 
gospel-centered topics and what the gospel is, the inerrancy of the word and the primacy of preaching and getting that word out there and, and just evangelizing, as he said tonight. You know, when we when we keep keep those first shelf issues out front, it's it's, it's going to be all right. Yeah. So what you're saying is we need to focus on God's great work. God's great work. That's a great topic. Maybe they could use, oh, never mind. That was this year's topic. So. <laughs> yeah, so it's the same It's the same for me. Um, smooth sailing, I think, is the secondary theme. <laughs> God's great work is obviously the primary theme, as you, uh, as you mentioned. So a good, a good annual meeting. Um, you know, one of the, if I if I was going to share a concern as far as a takeaway goes, yes, we need to continue to focus on becoming more ethnically diverse. But I would also like to see us emphasize uh, becoming younger and and attendance of younger Baptists. You know, at the SBC in Birmingham, it was incredibly diverse, not just in ethnicity but also in age. I say incredibly diverse. That's relative to what it's been in the past. Um, and I would like to see North Carolina Baptist uh, us to continue and in some ways start to figure out how can we engage younger Baptists to be involved in Baptist life on this level. I, I would say from my, my standpoint is this year we did not see as many younger people, but in years past, in the past two or three years, I've seen a significantly younger group of people. And the reason I say that is if we ever look at the back of the room, because North Carolina Baptists did not heed word of having a stroller section. Yes, it's a that if we look in the back of the room, there are normally men and women holding their babies in a stroller, walking them back and forth, or rocking them in the back of the room. And this year was the first year since I've been coming to the state convention that there was not a lot of people, just families in the back of the room, um, trying to be attentive in what's going on in the convention, but also having to be a parent. And so th- this was the first year that I think there wasn't a lot of younger people in the room. Um, which it happens. And it's probably because there's not a stroller section. Just on that one. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thank you for, uh, for spending a little bit of time tonight. I know it's, I know it's late for us and it's been, it's been a long couple of days, but just spending some time to review what took place this week for our churches. If you're out there listening to this and you have any questions or want any more information about anything we talked about, contact the association office, contact, myself or Matthew or even uh, even Bob for that matter at uh, Crossnor and we'll be happy to put you in contact with any of these agencies or any of these ministries that you heard about or try to get you more information on them uh, if, if something piqued your interest tonight. So thank you for joining us for this extended episode. I hope that you have enjoyed it and I hope you will consider joining us in Greensboro next year for the North Carolina Baptist Annual Meeting.